Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, and we're picking up right where we left off last week. We're going to talk about AI and a bunch of other awesome stuff related to sound with Nathan Rule. So let's just jump right in. Yeah, we were just talking earlier when we first came on about AI and how it's really this now just, I mean, in the last six months is a complete disruptor and changing everything and really, uh, you know, kind of brings us to these ethical decisions that we are going to have to start talking about. Uh, I had a funny instance where I have two people on my crew, my son and my CEO. My son was with the 101st Airborne Division as a Kurahi, and uh, the CEO, Ben, was in the 101st Airborne as a Rakasan. And, you know, they're always ribbing each other. And I got a text message from Hunter saying, Mom, Ben has finally seen the light. And it was Ben saying, yeah, I admit Kurahi is better than Rakasan, something to that effect. <laughs> and it it sounded exactly like Ben. And all Hunter had done was taken a copy of Ben's voice, put it through this AI software and made it say whatever he wanted. So you're right. I mean, these tools, in fact, as you were talking, I was thinking, man, maybe I shouldn't have spent $10,000 on my professional voiceover booth. I probably should just have invested that money in all of those tools. And, you know, it would have been a lot easier because you're like a musician. Yeah. That being said, I, nothing, you know, we, nothing beats a great quality recording with a great microphone. And if you came here, you would see, we, we've made a very deep investment in high quality microphones, microphone preamps, micro, uh, you know, analog to digital conversion. So we're very, very invested because it's, it's amazing how, you know, in, and this even happens, you know, I will say it could be useful to your audience. You know, if I, I can tell immediately as a mixer, if someone recorded on a zoom recorder versus a sound devices recorder instantly, and it's very much like color depth on a camera. It's like they, you know, it's not about, you know, if, if there's no problems or there's no background noise or anything else, they can seem very similar. But the moment I go in and try to say, like, do noise reduction on a lower quality recorder, immediately I start to have more degradation to the to the material that, you know, the dialogue becomes much harder to be able to make clean without artifacts. It's so, you know, it's very it, it actually does make a big difference. And the, and the tools the tools are only as good as the material you're feeding it. So whereas like a high quality recording with high quality microphones, you know, it's incredible how much we can clean that. And you could take the exact same environment with a cheap microphone and a cheap recorder, and you could have a very tough time being able to clean it. And it's just, it's because the, the data, it's like the, the resolution isn't underneath there for us to be able to clean. So I, I'm a big proponent of high quality equipment. Visually, it's like, you know, how are you going to export your footage? Is it going to be in 460, 720, 1080p, you know, 4K? What are, that makes a difference in what we see. It's either very pixelated or it looks, you know, more beautiful than real life. So that led to my next question, which was, I think there were some challenges in the location sound. And so location sound is very different than sound design and mix. And what that means is the guy on the ground or the girl on the ground, miking people up and, you know, mixing it in their little portable mixer, that's really going to determine how much work you have to do, I would think. And my question is in this film, um, 
how was the location sound? Did they have so many challenges that uh, it was very difficult for you or tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, this is a this movie is a a verite style documentary in many ways. It has a li- real there's definitely some locked off interviews, but there's also a lot of like we're in the car, we're just, you know, kind of running around going to different There locations. were crickets in outside yeah. interviews I heard, which <laughs> yeah, yeah, birds and exactly. crickets caused us problems in my film. Yeah. Interestingly, now with the spectral tools, crickets have kind of not crickets and birds are pretty easy these days, but you know, the, the, there were definitely, um, challenges because in part there was some cases it was just camera audio because some and there's a couple moments in the movie you can kind of tell they're almost just stealing shots you know it's like oh even the camera's like sitting on the table and you're just picking up something in the room so those kinds of things and in a lot of cases it was just chris since it was over a five-year period chris wasn't always taking a whole crew with him a lot of times it was just him and a camera and a recorder so yeah there were definitely challenges you know um it's a, it's for me, it's a, one of my specializations. I've worked in independent film now for two, for two decades almost. So I certainly, you know, I have a lot of techniques to be able to deal with these things, but yeah, there were definitely a lot of challenging aspects. And, you know, um, you know, one of the things about, I, uh, I, I mean, it's easy to become frustrated with filmmakers when you get like uh, audio that's really rough, but I actually, you know, I've been in this game long enough and I've also done enough location work and done enough documentary work myself to understand, you know, sometimes you just, that you have to kind of roll with what you have or you're on the fly or something happens. So to me, I really look at those challenges as just a interesting challenge. And, you know, it's like allows me to kind of use my tools and my ingenuity. Sometimes I, it really takes some really interesting, you know, a lot of the techniques I've developed have come out of some of the roughest situations for, you know, for recordings and out of it, I've come up with some new techniques that I actually then use on things that are less difficult. So, you know, I always try to look at it as like, especially in documentary, especially in verite style documentary, this is just part of the territory and uh, you know, we embrace it and and try to do our best. And honestly, I just worked on a $50 million movie. We did a, we did a big budget narrative film that's going to be coming out later this year um, in wide release. And you know, there was a, obviously just a massive budget for that film. And there were still a lot of audio challenges just because of the nature of the day and, or this take the mic fell off or, you know, there's just all, there's so often there's challenges, even when you have all the resources that you could possibly need. So it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. When, uh, you know, it's true. Adversity always makes us better and stronger. And we were talking World War II stuff before we got on here. And it makes me think of, you know, those rangers that climbed Point to Hawk and finally made it to the top and hung that American flag. You know, you had this great sense of accomplishment and pride, I'm sure, that um, that you got there. And I love it. Yeah, I, I would totally want to have somebody like you on my team who isn't put out by all the challenges that they have to, you know, solve, but more it's like, this is a, a challenge and I'm going to figure it out how to, and even reinvent new ways to do it. So that's great satisfaction, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
We're also, I mean, I, and I think this is something that's not necessarily always thought of in the documentary context, but, you know, we're left as a person who works on narrative films and documentary films. I mean, these two, these two parts of the filmmaking craft definitely inform each other. Most of the documentaries we do have a pretty extensive use of Foley in them because the truth is, even if you have the best sound recording, you're not going to be able to capture every footstep or every little nuance of a moment in a film. So, you know, those, those techniques are very important. You we're, we're, we're really in terms of process, we're approaching both types of films very similarly uh, in terms of adding ambient sound, all these things, they're very much coming into play. You know, the only difference is, is that in a narrative film, we sort of, you know, it's, it's basically untethered. We can do whatever we want though. Most of the time we are, you know, the American style of filmmaking is a naturalistic style. And so most of the time we are trying to kind of find something that feels natural and verite and feels like it would be of the place, except, Except in, you know, situations where we're very intentionally going for something more creative. But, you know, we are doing the same things in documentaries. We're doing a full ambient background edit for every scene. You know, we're we're just using elements in our library that we feel like are, you know, specific to the place and would basically help bring the audience into that experience in a way that would be authentic uh, to being in the place. But, you know, the limitations of, of what a, a recording on set can do are no different from a narrative film to a documentary. So, you know, we're leveraging all of that. And Citizen Sleuth has a full Foley pass. You know, most every footstep you hear in that movie is probably Foley that we've done. Um, yeah. I, well, I want to stop you right there. Excuse me for interrupting, but I yeah. want to explain for our audience the difference between, well, explain exactly what Foley is and then, um, you know, the difference of sound effects. And and that leads me into sort of my next question. So you can just roll in because these are all yeah. related. But one of the things that I thought was very fascinating were a lot of these musical choices in the film. And this girl, the main character of the film, she's quirky. She's interesting. She does, a, you know, there's a lot of little funny things that she does, whether it's the way she looks at the camera or plays with her dog or, and at first I didn't understand the quirky music choices, but then I was like, oh, that really informed, you know, her personality informed. I think the music and they augment each other. But what I noticed the most that I know you were responsible for was were the transitions between the different scenes or the different types of music. And you guys picked really interesting music. I'm sure the composer made them, but there were also some songs. One of my most favorite moment is um, she was looking at, this is when she kind of is growing as a character. Her character arc is kind of coming out on the other side and she's beginning to, to question and change. And she's in a scene where she's looking at these photos and you have a Willie Nelson song playing in the background. Mm. I don't remember the title of it, but it is something like, you know, uh, I don't know, something like I, I, maybe you know what it is. What is the song? Yeah, I should just ask I, you. Now I'm, I haven't watched the movie in a few months and now I'll think of it. It was something about this problem. It was something about this problem that I have That's, to solve or I'm questioning. Yeah. And, but the music of that and the way that you, I think during that time, there was almost no sound other than the song. And you were, it was close ups about what she was deciding and you had created this environment. And so I really was, I was potential, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, intentionally focusing on the sound design here. And so mm -hmm. I could see how you melded those scenes together with the songs. And I wanted to talk to you about those choices as well as 
the rights and clearances for the music and for the sound effects. Because I know in our film, we had to make decisions about the music we could pay for and how long we use the music and et cetera, et cetera. So if you could, that that's kind of going to be my last question. Actually, I may have one more question, but if you could kind of ru- you know roll all those into one little you know sandwich roll, that would be great. Sure. So, so I was talking about Foley. I can talk about the different parts of what we do, and also we can talk a little bit about the music. Um, yeah. So you know, where you all, in every film we're using a combination of library sounds, which are coming from sound effects libraries, and then we're creating a lot of sounds in studio. We have a full Foley studio here, and Foley is the essentially named after Jack Foley, who was a sound artist at Warner Brothers and who had kind of invented this idea of watching picture and recording sound effects to picture. And Foley is a really important part of what we do for footsteps and body movement and all these little things that probably, if they're done right, just feel like they were captured as part of the onset um, recordings, but in fact are all done after the fact. Um, most footsteps and, you know, and, and honestly, most of all door slams. Movie, yeah. Most everything in a movie, even a documentary is replaced. Um, and so, because it allows us to have more quality and more control over it. Um, same with ambient sound. And like you were talking about transitions, all of that, those are crafted moments that are built out of many layers. You know, the opening sequence of the movie, you're, you're seeing all these little spots within a small town and you're, you know, there's a strip club and there's a little all night diner. And so each one of those, we're choosing a a collection of sounds that are layered together to really kind of put you in each little moment. And in terms of the music, you know, I'm my involvement in the music in most films is as a mixer. And so for the most part, I may do, you know, I may have some feedback depending on the on the the complexity of the process. Our bigger budget projects that I come on early, I may be more involved in hearing music earlier and giving feedback. Um, but as a mixer, I'm very involved in how the the music integrates into the movie. And in terms of score, when I what I receive from the composer are stems, which is that I have all the instrumentation broke out, and so I can make choices as the mixer about you know usually we kind of maintain the integrity of the song, what the mix of the composer's intention. But depending on what's going on in the movie, we may accentuate certain instruments, or we might drop out everything but a certain instrument a trend in a transition. I believe there's some of those kind of moments that were happening in this movie. Um, we definitely have some big, like explaining moments with graphics and there's like sound and we're accentuating different parts of the music to kind of help tell those parts of the story or accentuate those kind of way, way we move through moments. Um, and then, yeah, of course there's like the needle drop songs, like the Willie Nelson song, you know, and those, that was definitely something I had to go in and kind of remaster and make it feel a certain way for the movie. Also, oftentimes we'll do things. One of the big challenges in this movie was there's a karaoke sequence and we actually didn't have, we actually didn't have the clean tracks of the karaoke. We just had camera sound. So actually we went in and used an AI based music and, and music separation tool. And we were actually able to separate out the music from the vocal. So then we could mix the vocal and the music a little differently as an example of that as part of the mixing process. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, in general, you were talking about kind of the playfulness of the music. Yeah. I think it's one of the, the great, uh, it's one of the great 
elements of this movie is just the way that there's kind of a playful waltzy kind of energy through the whole movie that kind of, yeah, it keys into the, the quirkiness and the kind of, you know, the main, the main character is a character and she is like, and, and that's kind of part of it too, is that she's kind of aware of herself as a character. And um, so, yeah, that all kind of works together really well. And, you know, when we're, when we're working on music in a movie, you know, it's one of the first things we do because it's very subjective the way music is mixed into a movie, the way we balance the music and the dialogue, the way cues enter and leave a scene. That's a big part of the mixing process is kind of figuring out just the right feeling for when, when a music's underscoring a scene, getting it sitting just right. It's a big part of it. So, you know, and now in terms of like the legality and the clearances and I, the money I can only, yeah, I can only really, uh, you know, I mean, I've been through a lot of processes and, you know, the it, it's wild, the variables that come into play when trying to buy music for a movie. Um, and it's I've I've had movies where they've done, you know, there I did a movie for Amazon last year where the music buy for one song was almost as much as our entire sound post which is interesting. <laughs> um, I have done uh, movies where we, the director was trying to get some very obscure seventies rock that no one really knows of. And the costs per song were $30,000 per song. And then they went back and got, in, instead of getting these more obscure songs picked out some Bob Dylan songs. And those were actually much cheaper because for whatever reason, the 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 record company feels like they made their money on the Dylan songs, but they've never made their money on these like seventies rock songs, and so they're gonna get. So it's it's a very like kind of esoteric and kind of strange world of music supervising, and so I can only kind of get see what I've experienced watching music supervisors do that and deal with those clearances, and yeah, it's a lot about relationships. It's a lot about some kind of internal math at the, at the, uh, at the record company. There are no rules with rights and clearances where music is concerned and it, it is a whole beast on its own. So having a music supervisor is absolutely important. Yeah, it's essential. And, you know, we recently, we, another movie, the one I said, I can't really speak to too much. We were doing some interesting stuff with, you know, and actually, I could talk. Uh, it, it's there's lots of instances, in, in especially in documentary, where you're like trying to get like in this case, it was like here's an advertisement where they wanted the dialogue and they had cleared the 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 person speaking in the advertisement, but they couldn't clear the music because the music was owned separately by a company that licenses commercial music and they basically just don't want to give it to you because they're like oh we've got you you need this so in that case what we had to do is we had to go in we actually used a tool we were able to separate out the music from the dialogue and then they were able to create a, a new the composer was able to create a new musical cue different from the from the original in terms of like it's a very different sounding song but in the same frequencies of the original and so between the se source separation and the new music cue that also sounds like an ad, we were able to mask the original music. And so we were, didn't have to do that clearance. So that's a really interesting one. I'll tell you, I, the kind of biggest story I have along these lines is we did this movie for HBO called United Skates. I, uh, it's a great movie. And, um, 
in the United States, it's all about African-American skating culture, which is this really incredible you watch the movie you'll understand it's very regional it's very based on different cities there's different styles there's different tricks it, it's a whole universe of 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 culture and the filmmakers obviously they're going into these skating rinks and of course if you go to the skating rink it's all like top 40 it's all like pop music playing and so almost all the footage the background sound was pop music and it was all pop music that they could never license because it's just impossible. If they had to buy out the music for the movie, it would have been a million dollars just for the music clearances. So what we had to do was basically go back and all these moments of roller skating, we had to go fully all of that. So we had to go re-record the picture, all of the skating and the entire movie. And the, and the thing about the skating is that there's different wheels for different cities. It's all very specific. And so in fact, what we did was we had, the subjects of the movie that were roller skaters here in LA, there's a vibrant roller skating culture here in LA. They came into the, to our recording studio, brought all the different styles of skates that we were, that were featured in the movie. And then they recorded all their skating to picture so that we had clean recordings of the roller skating. So they were literally doing the tricks in the recording studio to picture of the skaters doing tricks and the th the funny thing is, and this is a very often the case in documentary, is this is this very arduous, frustrating thing we have to do because of clearances. But in fact, it really transformed the sound design of the movie because now all of a sudden we before would have you're just in had control kind of exactly. We would have had these skating sounds, but there was also background noise and. Whereas now we can create these incredible moments in the movie where we're hearing the sound and we're using special filters and reverbs to make it sound like the music's in the skating rink and then the skater skating and then we can push that music back. And so now we can just focus on the skater. And so, in fact, it became probably the best asset to the film was having all of this perfectly recorded skating sound that then we could use to as design in the film. So, you know, <laughs> one of those other options, you know, where it's adversity really is the mother of invention, I think yeah, in filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's awesome. Just quickly the, that in terms of sound effects, we have, we have li libraries, they have specific licenses. We own the libraries. And so when you come and work with us, as long as you're only using the sound effects in the finished version of your movie, meaning like the mixed prints, and it could still be stemmed out. It could still be, you know, we still give dialogue music and effects stems for deliverables. But as long as you're not reusing the sound effects, our licenses pass through to the filmmaker in terms of the use of the actual sound effects. So yeah, that, I that just wanted to find some the licenses. I just wanted to find some terms from for people. So he's talking about a sound library basically is a library of sound effects that they can then buy and they can use and again, pass on to the filmmaker. So then those don't cost extra money. The stems they're talking about uh, when uh, sound design uh, 
team turns over the sound to the filmmaker or the editor. The editor then needs every single thing in an individual file. So the voice is in a file, uh, the music itself as a whole is in a file, but then you have all, you know, each instrument is in a file. Each sound effect is in its own file so that the editor then can play with all of those as the sound design can as well. Yeah. Um, and mostly yeah. that's used for, you know, when we sell a movie, there's a lot of requirements. We have to dub international languages sometimes. That's a that's a reason why we'd have to have those split out. But yeah, it's all taken care of. And then in our contracts, we outline all those licenses so that they pass through in a way that yeah, feels awesome. Good. Okay, we are we're getting close to overtime. We still have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. I wanted to first of all get an idea if people are listening to this. Uh, they're new filmmakers or still working in lower budget independent films. Uh, do they have any uh, ability to hire you at all? Can you give us some sort of budget spectrum that you work on for all sure. kind of different films? Yeah. So, I mean, we do, we work on all budget levels for the most part. Um, we also do quite a few short films. We have a short film called Miss Brown that's premiering at Tribeca coming up in June. It's a documentary a uh, short film along with another short film through Lena Waithe's project with Tribeca. And then also we have a feature film by director Chelsea Peretti premiering as well. So, but, um, and so in terms of budget, um, for the most part with features, usually kind of our baseline is in the teens, I would say, and mostly in the high teens for a feature film for documentary. Um, and even within that, it would be have to be a fairly straightforward kind of talking head documentary type thing. When we get into more elaborate movies like what we're talking about, United Skates, you know, even Citizen Sleuth, which has a much more of a design element, we're definitely getting up into the twenties and thirty thousand um, dollars for those kinds of projects. And then it kind of goes from there. And then narrative films, it gets higher. It's probably our baseline in narratives is you know quite a bit higher than that and can go. <laughs> it's it's yeah. very with narrative. The sky's the limit, depending on the on the narrative. Yeah, yeah. yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, well, and you know, I mean, do you hire? So I guess you hire by pro. Do you hire them by project? Is it a day rate, a month wait rate, a week rate? What? How do you yeah, great fill question. that out? We 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 mainly work on complete package bids. Yeah. And, and then our complete package bids, we do a pretty detailed breakdown of what that is. And for a lot of the low budget films, you know, we have some baseline rates that we start at. We actually have like an ultra low budget rate sheet where it kind of breaks down three budget options in great detail where you can see all the different parts of the process. And then, you know, that kind of creates a conversation. I've done, I think, yeah, I'm coming up on a hundred, I've done a hundred feature films, something like that. So I've definitely done enough that I have a pretty good sense usually of what kind of the baseline minimums are. And then, you know, from there we can talk about, oh, are there elements of the movie that are going to take more time, more fully time, more mixed time. Uh, but usually we have a pretty good sense of, uh, of what that is. But yeah, we normally work on a project b a bid basis with a detailed breakdown of what that entails for each project. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, now you've mentioned kind of peppered throughout this, some of the things that you're working on. So just promote them a little bit. Also oh, talk sure. to us about, you know, this is sound design. If you want to, you know, give your business a little shout out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm sitting right now in the A stage of this is sound design. This is our theatrical Atmos stage. We I have a own this facility in Burbank that we built out. We have several mixed stages, but we're come turnkey post-production sound for narrative and documentary feature films. We also do short films. We do some series work as well. Um, yeah, we've got lots of stuff happening right now. We have um, obviously Citizen Sleuth is doing this, the festival circuit, and uh, I think it's got some upcoming festival stuff, and it will eventually be out on streaming. Um, we have a movie that is actually out in pretty wide release called Joyland right now. And Joyland is a movie shot in Pakistan. It won the best international feature at the Independent Spirit Awards this year. It was shortlisted for the Academy Award for best international feature. It's been, uh, it's premiered in New York and LA last weekend. It opened up in 33 more cities. And I believe this weekend it actually opens up to more. I think we might be getting I think we might be getting up close to 50 cities. So if you have like a landmark theater or an independent, you know, type of theater in your city, there's a good chance that Joyland's there right now. Uh, Uh, So yeah, definitely check that out. It's an incredible movie that we, we it's, it's close to our heart and we really love it. Um, And then we have, we have uh, Chelsea Preddy's movie, first time female director premiering in June at Tribeca along with Miss Brown uh, the, the documentary short that I was saying, and it's a great one, has some beautiful reenactment work. It's about a, a, a female card counter. It's a really, really cool, fun uh, documentary short. And then we have in June, we also have another feature that premiered at South by Southwest called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, which is a narrative horror film based on Frankenstein set in modern times. That's coming out with uh, RJL's putting that out in theaters in June, I think June 9th. I believe it comes out. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the things that are rolling out. We have a movie called Supercell that's out. It's like a tornado narrative film. And then we're actually just getting ready to start a bigger budget movie right now. So uh, you guys yeah. got a lot so, going on. Yeah. Yeah. We're staying, we're staying very busy. Um, so yeah. So keep an eye out for us. And uh, if you come to our website, which is uh, TISD, this is sound design, TISD.TV. There's actually, we've got a now playing section. You can see trailers for all the movies we've got out in the wild right now. And uh, yeah. And then if you're in LA or you want to come to LA and post uh, a movie, we'd, we'd be more than happy to have you in. Or if you just want to come by and have a tour, we're, we, we're, always giving tours and chatting about projects people have in the future. So, so we're, uh, we're, we're happy to, to keep the conversation going. That's fantastic. Jason, do you have a question? Uh, I was going to say, I, um, I went and saw the return of the Jedi um, 40th anniversary back in theaters um, up in Gurney Mills, Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. Gurney Mills mall uh, yesterday and Joyland oh, wow. was showing at that theater because oh, I, I saw cool. it and I was like, I've never heard of that. And I like looked it up while we were waiting for the movie to start and it's completely serendipity. I just was in yeah. a theater where that was playing. Oh, so. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's getting out there. And I think it's like, it's, it's been doing so well. It's, it, it's been holding over for weeks sometimes at some of the theaters. So it's kind of a, it's the little movie that could. That's awesome. Okay, well, now it is time for everyone's favorite segment, DocuView Deja Vu. All right, Jason, I'm just wondering if this week you finally have a documentary to recommend, a documentary film that is. I do, and I actually I just want to recommend Citizen Sleuth because it is 
we spent so much time talking about sound and everything. You can actually go watch the film and see just what what we're talking about here, but also just this this film does something that I absolutely love, which is it asks a question. It doesn't tell you this is how you should feel. It asks a, a question about true crime and the ethics of it. And I love where it lands. I love how it approaches it. It's a very respecting doc of what it's dealing with. And I think um, it's just a really important documentary to see if particularly if you're a person who likes true crime, I think it's a really good documentary. So yeah. Recommendation. Awesome. I I've, like that I've recommendation. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. But people can't like go see it right now unless they go to a film festival, right? Yeah. I believe it's making the rounds on the festival circuit. Um, but if you, if you keep an eye on our website, as soon as we know when it's going to be out, we'll, uh, we'll announce it. So uh, awesome. Yeah. Where can they find out where it's going to be playing at festivals? You know what? I believe they have an Instagram. I think if you look for Citizen Sleuth, I believe there's an Instagram. That's probably the the easiest way to keep an okay. eye out for it. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. So I'm going to talk about a documentary that I saw actually yesterday. Uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, it was by a female director, a French female director at that, um, named Harriet Marin Jones. She was looking, she never knew about her grandfather and she heard something in passing about, you know, him being in jail or being in the mob and, she was just completely curious because her mother had never told her anything about her grandfather. And so she set off on this journey to find out who he was. And here's the byline of the story. King of Kings takes an in-depth look at the life and legacy of Edward Jones, an African-American who rose to the heights of financial and political prominence in post-depression era Chicago. In shaping the destiny of a city, he could not, however, escape the skin color. In conflict with both the mob and the feds, he was forced into a life on the run. As his granddaughter, I'll uncover the lasting repercussions of his untold story, not only within my family, but also for Chicago's South Side, where he once embodied the American dream. Um, this movie, too, is in its festival run, and so it can't be watched unless you go to these festivals. Um, I know that it will have dis distribution because I talked to the filmmaker about that. Uh, it is a very powerful movie in understanding how post-depression era Chicago was affected, particularly with these two warring uh, groups of people, um, the African-Americans on the South side and the Italian mobsters kind of in the rest of the city. And she brilliantly told the story with use of black and white photos with parallaxing and animation, which I thought was so creative color sound. Um, it was just phenomenal. Can't recommend it enough. So you can look it up on IMDb or at kingofkings.com. So that's my recommendation for today. And Nathan, you can only pick like one of the 10 documentaries you listed today, but, uh, and you told us a lot about Citizen Skates, but what, um, what would you recommend people go and see that they could see right now? Uh, I, I'll recommend the movie I talked about, uh, United Skates that's on HBO. So it's, okay. it's, it's on HBO and it's, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's an awesome documentary about, a uh, elaborate and, textured and incredible subculture, which is uh, African-American skating culture in Chicago and New York and Los Angeles. And it's just, it's one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on. I already told you about the, 
how we got to Foley, all the roller skating sounds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just an awesome doc. And I think anybody who hasn't seen it, you're going to love it. So yeah, check it out. Sounds like some strong recommendations for this week. So thank you so much for being here, Nathan. I just love meeting you and hearing more about what you do. And it's just a fascinating uh, look into your industry. So thank you. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you. It's great uh, being here. And I'm looking forward to um, continuing to tune in to what you guys have going on. I'm looking forward to seeing your film, Christian. And uh, Jason, thank you. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Yeah, excellent. All right, Jason, want to take us out of here? All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. The Documentary First podcast is a production of Documentary First Productions. Help us create more educational and inspiring filmmaking content and share more stories of service by supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash documentary first. Also, be sure to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can discover our awesome entertainment industry content as well as our moving historical stories and possibly learn some new things along the way. Bye, everybody.